why is it butter on wheat toast is the bland thing? I thought it was like butter on white toast. Oh, yeah. We'll go with white toast. Okay. I like my wheat. Yeah, wheat's healthier. Not going to have any wheat hate going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hat. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to episode 92 of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and today we are talking about Sega Genesis RPGs. Uh, a few episodes ago, we did Super Nintendo, so we thought it'd be good to have a companion episode for the Super Nintendo's competitor at the time. So uh, joining me today to talk about Genesis music is Patrick Gann. Hey, everybody. And Wes Iliff. Hello there. How are you both doing today? Just dandy. I am enjoying the sights and sounds of Pittsburgh. Are you? I am. Including someone chopping down a tree. Yep. Yes. The classic Pittsburgh soundscape. <laughs> yes. So if there, if there, anyone hears any buzzing or tree or uh, trucks backing up, uh, that is that is somewhere in Pat's neighborhood, and we're sorry about that. But we'll try to minimize it. <laughs> um, apparently, they missed the sign that Pat put on his door about "I am podcasting today." Please be quiet in the neighborhood. Really, it's shame on them. Yeah, my yeah. yeah, my my prerogative should always come first over everyone in the world. Right. I mean, you know, I guess the, the on-air sign you have outside your door isn't enough. You actually have to put it outside your house. So, like, everyone around you knows. That's the yeah. problem. I, I probably need it in neon lights outside my, like, on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. That's my bad. We'll fix that for next time. Yeah. yeah. I'll have it ready. Well, I'm excited about this. Um, I... I will definitely admit that uh, growing up, you know, because you generally had to choose a side, I was more in the Nintendo camp. Uh, we had a Genesis. Um, not a lot of RPGs for it, because it turns out there's a lot less Genesis RPGs than there were Super Nintendo. Um, so a lot of this is new for me today, but that's okay. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, I think especially in America, there there was an absence, and I think some of the best ones weren't localized. Um, though actually the one we might consider the best and people can argue, but, uh, Fantasy Star 4 was localized. The whole series was, so at least we got that. Yeah. Like I knew, I knew Fantasy Star and, uh, Shining Force, but outside of that, not a whole lot. Yep. And, and like the Genesis didn't lack for games. Like it just like a lot of the Genesis music I know are just platformers usually, uh, like Sonic and Rise Star. And there's a lot of great music on the Genesis, but RPGs, I just had a really really familiarized myself with them the last couple of weeks. During the era, I think they believed that Western audiences wouldn't get RPGs, so they kept giving them passes as often as they could. Yeah, but we still have a good selection today, um, most of which released here. I think I think all of them except... Did they all release here? Uh, like, Pat, your, fir- your first song, did that, I forgot if that actually came out here or not. Uh, not at the time. It okay. has since there was well, the... Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, are we ready to talk about music then? Always. So I figure we should start strong here. So we're going to start with uh, one of your songs, Wes. So what are we starting with? So my first song is an absolute classic, Thray, also known as Rune from Fantasy Star 4. Awesome. And Pat, what's your first song? Yeah, so I picked a favorite from composer Noriyuki Iwadare, who worked on the Langrisser series. So this is called Ally 1, Neo Holy War. It's kind of the, the base battle music for Langrisser 2. All right. Let's go take a listen to Thray, a.k.a. Rune, and Ally 1, Neo-Holy War. Mm-hmm. 
So this is the theme of Rune from Fantasy Star 4, kind of the um, the prerequisite super cool sorcerer who may or may not be more than they seem. Um, Rune is one of the most interesting characters and has huge ties all the way back to um, you know the, the beginning of the series and has all of these interesting mysteries under them. But most importantly, this song kind of occupies the same space uh, as the Zero theme from the first Mega Man X in that this is like the coolest theme possible. You immediately know that this is your cool character for the game. <laughs> this is the one that you're going to be the most interested in. And it works even better because you go directly from the world map into this ruined town. And that goes from like kind of grand but low-key music into like sad, destroyed town music and then directly into this like bop that, that really gets you moving. And it really energizes you to like keep going past there. I think it's perfectly set for like, here's the mood that we want you to have going on from here. There's been a lot of bad stuff that you've seen. Let's kind of pop it up and give you the feeling that you can do this. Yeah, I mean, that definitely comes through. Um, I love that you described it as like the zero theme. Like as soon as you said that, I understood exactly what you're going for. I understand how it's used, the kind of character that this is meant to be. Even has a nice long ponytail, so. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I also think like this speaks to the quality of the games, like the early game pacing of Fantasy Star 4. Um, it's just, you know, it's just as you said, like, yeah, the world map's grand and like the world itself is interesting. And then it's like, oh, things suck at this town and it's like not necessarily dystopian but it's bad and then oh here comes your bro and <laughs> yeah it's not musically it's not necessarily the same as the zero theme um though it is it's not too far off either um i'm gonna say more about how the genesis handles music when i get to my song but uh it definitely it definitely works and yeah. and it's a reminder that of all the SNES soundtracks out there, I think the X series probably could have been ported to Genesis, at least from an audio perspective, without issue. Yeah, it's just, uh, it really does, as you said, speak to the pacing of the game. That, that game doesn't want you to get bogged down at any point. As dense as it gets, as complicated as that game gets, you never want to be bogged down in it. And the music kind of keeps you going. I was going to say, I like the bass line in the song a lot. Um, and like there's like a kind of a shift in the song about 40 seconds in that kind of like just ups the tempo a little bit um i think it's a lot of fun i don't know i don't know if i can summarize it any better than it's the zero theme but that obviously only works if you know Mega Man x or or yeah. listen to that music as much as i did yeah no the bass line kicking into sort of the b section of the song is is definitely worth noting and a, a shout out to our uh team member and awesome bassist neil who if he were on this episode, would probably note the bass line before any of us, because he pays very close attention to those good bass lines. That's very true. Yeah, I'm sure he would. Um, should we talk Langrisser? Yay! <laughs> um, so I I intentionally went with Langrisser 2 instead of 1. Langrisser 1 did come to America. It was called Warsong uh, on the Genesis. Uh, and I think based on sales, Sega was like, yeah, we don't need to bring any of those over ever again. Um, so we never got the rest of the series. Um, but Langrisser 2 had this absolutely kicking soundtrack, um, primarily by Noriyuki Uedare. Um, an interesting thing to note, and if you check our review for the Langrisser 1 through 3 music collection box, whatever it's called from Messiah, um, there are three different versions of all the Langrisser 2 music. There's, uh, as it appeared uh, on the Sega Genesis, as it appeared for a game called Der Langrisser on 
the Super Nintendo, and then a 32-bit upgrade that they did for PlayStation and Saturn. Um, and I actually, for this song, the sort of bass battle music that I think most people really know if they know the Langrisser series, um, the do-do-do-do-do-do, like, I think it actually sounds best on Genesis, and it was it's probably because it was originally written for Genesis. Um, the Sega Genesis, in terms of how it handles sound, is very good for um, solo instruments in terms of like instrumental sound. So think like guitars and bass, or one keyboard, um, especially keyboards that make sort of that what I would call like the crystal synth. Um, sort of a Celeste kind of sound, like like uh, like World Three and World Five in uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, that kind of sound. Um, it's you try to you try to reproduce that on a Super Nintendo, and it will not go well. Uh, conversely, the Super Nintendo is great for like string ensemble sounds. You do like orchestra hit or like string ensembles that were really popular in like the Final Fantasy games. It's you cannot. <laughs> You basically can't make that uh, sound good on a, a Genesis. Um, there are other ways of doing it, and I think we'll see that when we get to some other games on this list. But what I love about the Languisher 2 soundtrack is it's essentially a rock soundtrack. Um, it's, there's some pieces that feel orchestral, and they do a good job with percussion. But the soundscape of a Genesis is really built uh, to emulate a rock band. So get your guitars in, get your bass in, get your drum in, get ready to go. And uh, a lot of the Lancaster 2 uh, battle or uh, character themes, because it's all battles with these strategy RPGs, they all do that pretty well. But this first one, the Neo-Holy War Ally 1 theme, which is sort of like your main character and his closest friends kicking butt taking names it's just it sounds so good and it's it's sort of like a keyboard synth uh but there's also like i don't know if you compare it to the way it sounds on super nintendo you can hear how it it feels kind of weakened or downgraded um so it's i think part of why i picked it was this is sort of an ideal song to see um from just a hardware perspective how genesis music differentiated itself from the Super Nintendo. And if you're going to value a Genesis soundtrack, uh, let's look for the songs that really make use of uh, the hardware. And I think uh, Iwadara had it down with Langrisser 2. Wow, you really you really got into that one. It wasn't just like, hey, I like the song, but like you went into like the hardware and like there's, <laughs> there's a lot more behind why you chose that. I love it. Yeah, well, we'll get more of that with my second pick too. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I was just here enjoying, like, the Iwadari, like, synth work going on. Yeah. Well, he's also, I mean, in terms of melody making, you know, he's awesome. For the oh, listeners yeah. who don't know, you know, we did an episode on uh, Lunar a while back, not too long ago. Um, and Iwadari has written almost entire, pretty much everything, uh, with a couple exceptions for the Lunar series. He's also done Grandia and a bunch of other stuff. Um but uh, Langrisser is some of his earliest work, um, and yeah, I think I think Langrisser too is is like pinnacle work on his part, and also probably my favorite soundtrack on the Genesis, if not Fantasy Star Four. Mm, so impressive. Okay. Yeah, it is kind of amazing listening to the different versions if you go in and dig into the different ones because uh, 
you're right that this one is like the rock version and it feels like this is how it was intended to be written the the drums going out um have this really good like battle march beat to them um that that marries pretty well with the fact that no this is a rock song and we're going for it it's an impressive bit of music yeah and it doesn't sound bad on the super nintendo but you can you can tell what this was written for and you can tell which one is the port as a result there's nothing like the genesis uh, uh sound font there and if you can wrestle it and make it work for you it makes completely unique stuff yeah i really like the um well i'm i'm blanking right now on the the technical musical term for it the the prolonged notes like there's some notes in there that just really are like drawn out for a while in this one um mm-hmm. but i like that kind of like helped add some tension to the song yeah they'll hold it but they'll do uh, a bit of oscillation as well mm-hmm. and it and oscillation was a big thing with genesis i mean just if you just think of the sonic the hedgehog soundtracks like every everything if they held out something you know a little bit of oscillation a little bit of vibrato which the snes basically couldn't do without a lot of sound programming um the kind of stuff that like hiroki kikuta like pushed for for secret of mana like he he pushed Minoru Akao and others to like make things work on the Super Nintendo that weren't working. Um, that the Genesis was basically capable of doing from day one, and it was like basic package if you were going to compose for it. Like the the sequencers, the synthesizer, it was all there to make it sound good that way. Nice. Well, it's too bad we didn't get this game back in the day, but at least we got it. You know, eventually in what. 20, 2019 or something when that, yeah. that remake finally came out yeah the one and two remake came out on like ps4 and probably a couple other platforms that i don't remember maybe switch um i actually haven't played the remake which is crazy because i love these games but um who did the i, I wish i had thought of this before uh, who did the music on those like i'm sure it's this music but, but i am sure it was rearranged yeah i don't know who did the rearrangements on it i don't know if they brought Iwadari back for self-arrange or if they brought another team in? Um, that's a good question. I also don't know if they published a soundtrack for the remake or if it was just... Uh, they did, actually. Uh, did they really? Audra, Audra brought a song on from it uh, a couple months ago. Oh, I'm so behind. It was... I think there was, like, two. I don't remember if it was released on its own or if it only came if you bought, like, a limited edition. Right, 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 right. So Iwadari and Takashi Okamoto are credited for arrangement on it. Okay, yeah, Takashi Okamoto is uh, is a pretty interesting figure. Um, he's done a lot of strategy RPGs over the years. Okay. Um, I think he worked on the Summon Knight series, later games in the Summon Knight series. Yep. Yeah, Summon Knight, Shining Force Feather, which apparently was a Shining Force game. <laughs> so many weird Shining Force games. Yeah, yeah Okamoto's a, a great composer, so I, I would like to hear his work on arranging languors for music okay well there we go at least i was able to find it quickly and not just have a have a, a podcast blank. go out it's like i don't know <laughs> we don't know information we don't know, we don't know. you guys can just look it up yourselves yeah. um yeah so there you go he did partially arrange it that's cool now i have something else on my giant backlog of music i want to listen to i know i would love to like interview him or talk to him one day about that like not that he's the only one that does that but like how must that feel like to have like come up with the soundtrack in the late 80s early 90s and then in 2019 2018 2019 like go back and rearrange it that must be a really fascinating process 
Yes, we could also do a roundtable with the 20 plus people who did all the pixel remaster work. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's some real standing on the shoulder of giants kind of stuff. There's a lot of uh, new and young arrangers that were doing those. Uh, and that's anytime you're doing that kind of stuff, it's got to be intense. I, and also yeah. the people who worked on the Live Alive HD 2D, most of those are, are uh, newer folks as well. Oh, that interesting. Worked. Worked okay. on Shimamura's classic. Yeah, I would. Oh boy, I would feel so intimidated. Yeah, in those in that position. But they all did great. Uh-huh. I mean, for the most really part, did. it's all really good. Mm-hmm. It's important to think about when your source material is good. It is kind of hard to screw it up. I think that also applies for Langrisser. <laughs> I mean, true. that music's so good. You'd have to really try to make it bad. I think. Yeah, it just it's got to be tricky though. Like, even if it's not going to turn out bad, you don't want to ha- do like a new arrangement and have it just be like. You don't want to ever lose anything, you know? Absolutely. Like, oh, this is fine. It's just like a flatter version. It's kind of like, I'm so, I'm sorry to bring this up uh, on a Genesis episode, but some of the songs in the Final Fantasy X remaster, like some of those yeah. arrangements kind of just like they lost, some of them lost something or some of them just had like weird things added that didn't need to be there. Yeah, there were some, in- there were some interesting choices there. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Just like, well... Th- it was like change, even though it didn't really need to. So, right. Anyway, that's a little off topic, but yeah. All right. <laughs> we are off to a good start. I don't want to wander too far. See, that was my segue for the next song. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. We are warriors, but we don't wander. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, so we must be talking about Shining Force 2. Oh, we are. And the most iconic song from that soundtrack, Wandering Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We must be. Are we going to listen to that? I think we're going to listen to that. All right. We should listen to that. All right, um, so after that is my first song, and I have the battle theme from Pure Solar and the Great Architects, which is a Genesis game, although it certainly came out far, you know, way after the Genesis stopped getting games for the most part. Um, I have not played it, but I really enjoyed this song, so excited to talk about it. So let's go listen to Wandering Warriors and Battle Theme.
So Shining Force 2 has one of the most, maybe one of the most memorable soundtracks on the Genesis. And I think part of that is because it's made almost entirely of battle marches. It's got these big, um, booming themes, heavy drum sections, a lot of like flutes like you would hear, you know, during an army march. Um, but this one in particular is probably heard the most because it's the sound you hear while you're wandering the world map. Because unlike a lot of tactical RPGs, there is a world map where you can run into semi-random encounters. And this music plays both during exploration and during those battles. And it's this kind of victorious sounding march um, that also goes really nicely with exploring because you feel like you're genuinely going into, you know, potentially uncharted land, um, kind of ready to face whatever comes at you. Uh, it feels more victorious than sometimes you can feel during Shining Force 2. Um, and it's incredibly satisfying. I believe you hear it when the game starts up even, during the press start screen. Um, it's just a, a beautiful march and, and one of few of its kind on the system. I think it's really a classic in terms of um, not just Sega music, but um, yeah, strategy or tactical RPGs. Um, I, think, I think Wandering Warriors holds up um, against um, you know Nintendo's big competitor at the time, which was Fire Emblem. Um, interestingly, we were talking about you know all, all the Super Nintendo RPGs that made it, while the Sega Genesis games didn't. But um, Sega's flagship strategy RPG, the Shining Force series, uh, competed in Japan against Fire Emblem. But in America, we got zero Fire Emblem until like Game Boy Advance. So. <laughs> Um, but musically, I think about the parallels between Shining Force and Fire Emblem quite a bit. And I think that just maybe because of percussion alone, there is just this greater impact that comes with the Shining Force soundtracks. Um, I do think that that like singular um, woodwind, probably flute of some kind that they're synthesizing there um, stands out really well. And it is also just a very vibrant melody um i think the thing that surprises me the most is the composer motoaki takenouchi um also known as technochi um if you look at his other compositions and his like the other soundtracks he's credited for like um they're all very much not at all like shining force it's like he had to try to fit the mold to write strategy RPG music. Like, he did, like, Daytona USA and stuff. And he likes to do, like, kind of, like, remix and DJ work. So, the early Shining Force stuff that he worked on, I I think it, it was either out of his wheelhouse, or he didn't want it to be in his wheelhouse, because he didn't do it much. Uh, but he, <laughs> for someone who didn't sort of dabble in this kind of music very much, uh, in terms of his professional output, like, quite the surprise that it came out so well when you think about like you know like Oematsu like he continued to hone his craft to make these sort of um, you know very melodic character heavy uh, thematic music and he clearly got better from game to game um, and so he had a, he had styles and he had things that he had to work on and improve but like Takanochi was just like I'll just make this great music for a strategy RPG and then I'll go back to arcade games and stuff for like the rest of his career so it's just an interesting guy that that really sort of blew it out of the water with Shining Force, especially Shining Force 2. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't know any of that. <laughs> it's so interesting to go and do uh, soundtracks for like this really iconic RPG series and then just 
not do any more of them. Just knocked it out of the park and then just said, I'm done, dropped the mic, walked off. I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> he went on to do, you know, to do awesome music for other games and other styles, but he was like, yeah. Um, like, he wasn't on for Shining Force 3. That was, uh, that was Motoi Sakuraba, who, you know, I think we all know his pedigree. He's done a bazillion soundtracks. Right. Um, so, yeah. Interesting choices in terms of, like, who Sega brought on for what. Yeah. What always, like, really grabs me about this soundtrack in particular is just how many of the instruments sound like they're just being played on, like, a, a colonial battlefield. You know, you've got drummers marching up alongside... Um, you know, your your various troops. And I know that this is, you know, a non-colonial, like pre-colonial setting and everything, but um, it still gives that same impression of like this battle is being made on the battlefield. It's almost diegetic in, in how it fits into uh, the what you're seeing. Yeah, it makes you feel like they could have it could have been a score for some American Revolution strategy RPG. Yeah, I can see it. Now there's an idea. Yeah, can we put werewolves in it? Maybe just spice it up. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was an indie game several years ago. I don't know if it was American Revolution, but it was actually like set in like I don't know if it was in the Old West. It was it was set in America. I forgot what it was called. Um, I don't know the music offhand, but I know there was a game a while ago in this maybe a setting similar to that. Which, you know, you don't see a lot. No, no, you don't. Though, if you play Live Alive, Old West is one of the settings. Oh, that's true. That's true. Is there their one American scenario? Yeah. I mean, our last episode of Rhythm, we did feature a song from uh, the Shadow Hearts game that is partially set in America, but... Uh... Yeah, you shouldn't get me started talking about Shadow Hearts. This is going to get us even more off topic. Okay, We're, okay. Yeah, let's not go there. I'm too excited <laughs> already. Okay, I do recommend listening. That was a good episode. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Well, before we move on, like my comment here, when I was looking for my stuff, um, I definitely spent more time. I played Shiny Force One more than I played Two, even though I liked Two. I just never got through it when I was younger. Um, and I went back and listened. I, I think I don't know if the some of the songs I was listening to that I remember in the first game held up quite as well. Um, I think there's definitely a, a leap here in the second one. Like this song is very rich. It just has much stronger instrumentation, I think, than the first one. There's just m more going on here. Um, but like it has this nice rich sound, it's motivational. There's a lot of like motivational, like triumphant battle song, battle music today, huh? Well, that's a lot of the good stuff that they did on Sega. It's true. It wants you to be driving that, that sound those drums being so good and uh, some of like the the hits being so good yeah that's what you want <laughs> yeah i gotta go back and play more of them i know i know my my thing and actually remind me if this is the first or second game i know when we were younger my brother and i were just excited that the protagonist when you did your like promotion um he got like this like darth vader armor and a lightsaber for some reason um i don't know why that was the choice but i was always a fan of that it's a good look it is, it is. Um, and I, I think that's the second game, but maybe that is the first one, I don't know. Yeah, that's the first one, because uh, okay. Bowie in the second game gets a big, long, flowing cape and uh, long hair. Okay, alright. That's still cool. It's not lightsaber cool, but it's still cool. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of battle themes, uh, Pure Solar. Uh, this was, like, this game came out at a time when there wasn't, like, crowdfunding and stuff now. Like, a game like this coming out now wouldn't really be as shocking. You know, I know there's a there's a developer, I I'm, can't think of his name right now, or their name, but uh, they're like 
routinely releasing like new Game Boy games. Like you, they come on cartridges and everything. You can get them digitally, but you can also get a cart. And some are RPGs, some are shooters. Um, so like this kind of thing happens now. You get people making games, not just retro style, but actually meant to be played on old hardware, which is fascinating. But when Pure Solar was being made, I, I don't think there was many examples at all of that happening. So I know it was a really, really novel thing when that was going on. Yeah, I don't think, I think they were the only ones in the market doing that. I mean, there were people doing it for CD-based consoles like PlayStation, Saturn, uh, Dreamcast. But to do a cart, to produce a cartridge um, in the mid-2000s, I don't even know how they got hold of people that could help them assemble <laughs> the hardware. I mean, it no must, idea. they must have had connections. Um, and I remember it was weird, and it was pre-crowdfunding. I do think they ran their own pre-order campaign to help fund the production. Right. Um, before they, it was like we need to like pre-order a thousand before we can even manufacture the cartridges. I think there was something like that. Um, but yeah, what a sort of bold idea, right? Uh, to pursue. Um, I was actually reading her review of the game and. Uh, you know, different people have differing opinions about the execution of the game, but just conceptually, uh, putting a game out in the Genesis, you know, a good 10, 15 years, maybe 12 years after it had, uh, you know, stopped having things published officially by Sega. It was, it was a bold move. And the fact that they wrote, you know, music that's, <laughs> um, you know, they had to be thinking about, again, what does the sound font look like what are our options right um and and do we want to do we want to try to press outside of that like try something new or different or do we want to harness the known strengths of what the genesis can do and and in my opinion at least based on the battle theme they decided to harness strengths um and i and i applaud that and i really like the sound and i don't know the composer uh, is it Zable or Zobble? Uh, it, far for this one, yeah, yep, yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know them. Yeah, I don't know the na- the. I don't have any familiarity with the people who worked on the soundtrack for this game, but I do know that I like this song <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it really does strike you as a Sega Genesis song or, or, or soundtrack uh, potentially made with those decades of experience in between where people have still been able to play with you know the the genesis sound chip and been able to figure out okay what are its strengths what are its weaknesses even more than they did back um when the the system at first came out right that's that's another thing that's always worth remembering is you know the yeah the later you go into a console the more people explore and the more people realize you can do stuff i mean you know compare something like final fantasy 4 to chrono trigger um you know even with genius work from Mitsuda and Uematsu, there was not enough known about you know what they could pull off with the Super Nintendo that if someone asked them to write that music in 91 it would not have come out sounding the same you know they needed to wait till 94 95 to pull off the Chrono Trigger soundtrack there's no question about that and so having that extra time not just in the Genesis's natural life but as people you know did sort of fan-made work and custom ROMs and things like that um, in the emulation scene um, uh, there were definitely new discoveries made about things you could do with it um, and I do like yeah the quality of the music is very high for a Genesis game right and and I tried looking at this I can't 
get a fully straight answer because like you can listen to some of this on YouTube and I think the way it works because the soundtrack is like four discs and there's like different arrangements and things and my understanding is that there's like there's the original Genesis stuff, the original Genesis compositions on the soundtrack, but then there's also like a CD version of it. Because some of them, if you listen on, on YouTube, like you can find the CD ones pretty readily and they definitely sound different. Like that is not using, you know, Genesis hardware sound font stuff, um, which is interesting. It's interesting they went through and I don't know if the whole soundtrack is, <laughs> there's, a, there's an original and a CD version of every song because that would be mind boggling. But, uh, it's interesting that they approach it from different or both angles. That's not a that's not a particularly uncommon thing, though. I mean, think about all the handheld games that would have um, multiple sound sources. Um, like, oh, well, I'm looking at the name Yuzo Koshiro. So, like, all the Etrian Odyssey games were actually first he he would first compose them as like these eight bit chip tune kind of things, and then he would do a second version that was sort of a higher quality for the DS. And and then, uh, also sometimes for some of the songs, there'd be a third arrangement on these, uh, you know, super arranged version albums, but they weren't in the game. But, you know, think about like all those games that did, you know, in-game, here's two versions of the same song, depending on whether you want to feel like you're playing it in the late 80s or today. All right, that's fair. So I, I do think it's a, a somewhat common procedure Oh, you know, Ogre Battle did that as well. Um, Sakimoto and Iwata had like just their like they just wrote the MIDI synth music, and then there's the further compressed what you actually hear on the Super Nintendo, and then on that album, All Sounds of Ogre Battle, um, they just put both on the same album. So, yeah, I mean, people do it. True. All right, now I will say this though, like those are all good examples. So, yes, it do- it does happen. But going back to like. I don't know how small the team was for this game, but all those games you mentioned were like by big publishers and had a big team. And I imagine much more financial backing than this game did. So for this, I'm impressed that they did that. Oh, absolutely. They, the whole project is a labor of love and the soundtrack is no exception. Yeah. So um, I really should find a way to play it one day. Um, I was looking, you know, I said earlier on that there's not as many Genesis RPGs as I thought there were. Um, and I, I forgot about this one because it's kind of like removed from like, for lack of a better term, standard, like regular commercial games that we always think about for Genesis games. Um, but, you know, why not? It's still it it can be played on the hardware. So I figured it counts anyway. Um, but I I actually put it where I put it in our track list today, because the more I listened to this, along with some other ones that I, I noticed some similarities here, like I feel like this one has a really good baseline, kind of like our Fantasy Star song. Um, it has this, that motivational feel again with like some of the battle music we've had today. So I think it's it's interesting that, you know, obviously it since it was running on the hardware, they were still using, you know, how to make it within those. Uh, well, I don't want to say limitations, but you know what I mean? So but like they really did it like this really does sound similar to these other songs. Um, so I think it's pretty cool like to do that. And like you said, it's it's still more mature coming way later in life. Well, I'm glad everyone liked it, too, then. Yeah. And you talked about playing the game. I think it's, I think there's an HD version that might be on Steam, and I've right, I've wanted to play it. I, I mean, part of me wants to break out an old Genesis and do it like that way, but I imagine those are very expensive aftermarket carts at this point. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Right. Anyone who's who's selling their old 
pure solar for for Genesis is probably making bank on it. I'm sure. I'd hold on to it if I had it. <laughs> I actually got to look it up now. I'm very curious. Uh, so I'm going to quietly do that while you introduce your next song, Patrick. Yeah, so I mentioned the name Yuzo Koshiro earlier. Um, and I, I knew that when I agreed to go on a Sega Genesis episode, I had to pull in some of Yuzo Koshiro's work. He's just such an amazing composer. So this is uh, from a game called Beyond Oasis. Um, it was called Story of Thor in Japan. The song is called Not Stone Palace, but Stone Place. Though that that might have just been like a misnomer typo. That is its official track title. Stone Place from Yuzo Koshiro. I was curious about that. Yeah. It does seem yeah, like no, it might a, be Stone Palace. It probably is, but I mean, it's the track list is published in English, and that's how they list it, so oh, I don't okay. know. Stone Place. All right. Um, and then after that, I have my second pick today, which is Arias, or Arias, from Sword of Vermilion. Um, I don't know anything about this game uh, compared to, I'm guessing, at least one of you will. So I'm counting on you to fill in a little bit, but I enjoy the music. All right, let's go listen to Stone Place and Arius. Thank you. 
Okay, normally, Pat, I would let you talk about your song, but I don't want to like leave people in suspense, even though during that song, I imagine some of you already looked on eBay. But as of this recording, looking at eBay right now, you can get the Dreamcast version of Pure Solar, which I didn't realize that was a thing, for like 60 bucks. Not too bad. Um, there's a reprint version for the Genesis, which is going for almost 200 that's that's what I was uh-huh. expecting. There's a Japanese yeah. version, a Mega Drive version for 150. Um, a collector's edition for the Dreamcast for, well, this person's asking for 500. We'll see if they get it, but yeah, uh, some of those versions definitely up there. Yeah, just just the cost of producing a card is so much more than a CD. Yeah, um, they must have been expensive at the time, like 60 or 70 minimum. Oh, I'm sure. I think, and so yeah, I would expect 150 to 200. Yep. Uh, is the appropriate price. That's a good market value at this point. Well, anyway, there you go. I just want to offer an update on that. And uh, now you are free to talk about your 
Beyond Oasis or what was the Japanese title again? Story, Story. of Thor. What, what what happened there? How did that get changed so much? I don't know. Someone in localization was like, "We're doing something different. We're not gonna we're not gonna reveal in the game's title that this is Greek mythology, yeah, or Norse mythology." Sorry. Uh, I don't know why, but that's what they chose. So, um, yeah, Yuzo Koshiro, um, for those who may not remember the name or his projects in the early 90s, um, he did the soundtrack for Actraiser, which we've had some pretty good coverage of uh, recently. Wayo Records did that awesome reprint of the soundtrack and the symphonic suite. And then uh, Actraiser got that uh, cool HD uh, remake that was on a bunch of platforms um, and so that music's awesome and most people know um, the Actraiser soundtrack uh, and then of course he did um, m- most of East 2 um, so if you like your classic Falcom music, Koshiro did a couple of Falcom games, he did some of Sorcerian um, but East 2 was probably his big one um, but for Sega Genesis, I I think his best work is on Beyond Oasis, and so I, I picked the strangely named Stone Place because um, I was looking for a song that captured that uh, a sort of softer side. Because I knew for my other pick, I was going hard with a battle theme, and it looks like I wasn't the only one. <laughs> um, so I wa- I wanted something a little softer, and I wanted something. With again, I wish I knew like the technical term for this, but what I call like the crystal or crystalline synth, um, that's like part of what makes the Sonic soundtrack sound so freaking good. Um, and it's the way it's used uh, in Stone Place. This is a very sort of like ambient environmental kind of theme, um, but I just think it's I just think it's pretty and a little haunting, which is you know kind of hard to do in the 8-bit and 16-bit days um, to to sort of pull off a more atmospheric effect. You know, you don't have you know, a full orchestra and you can't do a lot in ways of like remixing and uh, mastering and like sound manipulation. You don't you don't have all those tools that you know, the big western AAA studios have now um, for any game PS2 and onward. Um, so to be able to do it uh, in Beyond Oasis, um, you know, it's not like there aren't other RPGs that were doing it at the time, but um, I think Koshiro is really good, not only at you know really butt kicking melodies like um, the first the first stage in Actraiser Fillmore, um, but also like softer like let's tone it down and take a moment to breathe and think kind of music, um, which is how I feel about this song. No, the, the atmospheric uh, and the tension stuff that you're talking about, like that's exactly what I honed in on um, in part. Like I, I like, I like that part of it, but also just the, there's some interesting variety here. Like there's some sections that sound a little more uh, upbeat or almost that triumphant sound again, a little bit like then there's some horns, but yeah, that, that like foreboding feeling to it um, was really interesting. Cause I, I don't think we have anything else today that has that sound. So it, it, it uh, there's a couple songs I can't think of which one. I think it's some of the dungeon songs and like a link to the past. But there's some Super Nintendo, some Zelda songs that kind of give me that in dungeons, and I like that. I wasn't expecting that here. We all went like so 
you know, upbeat with some of our songs, but I really like how Koshiro got that that really sense of tension in this song. Yeah, I I, I hadn't. I hadn't taken note. I hadn't written down the part that you're thinking of. There is a very clear A B uh, to this track, um, and so I would say about half of it is kind of the softer, and about half of it starts to, yeah, kind of bring it with the horns. That's what impressed me so much listening to this is because we've talked so much today about the strengths of the the Genesis sound chip and how a lot of those like driving rock kind of kind of sounds are what it excels at, and this is almost the opposite of everything we've talked about but it still manages to use that sound chip so effectively that it works like just straight up works the entirety of this song um and a lot of the beyond oasis soundtrack is like that where it doesn't sound necessarily exactly like anything else on genesis and it's able to to pull out um i guess emotionally things that a lot of other genesis games just don't yeah i will add for you know because I don't want to be all praise. I do think there are there are parts of the Beyond Oasis soundtrack that really get into the territory of just drones, just like uh, in musical form. And I'm not saying that makes, you know, it's not about Kushir being a bad composer. I think it's what the developers were probably asking for. Um, and so there are some, some pretty bland sort of, uh, you know, butter on wheat toast kind of songs um but i'd say it's it's probably less than half of the entire soundtrack that i would that i would sort of write off as filler um but i really wanted to pull out one of those um more atmospheric songs that were that was also impressive and i and to me there's only two or three that i i was sort of debating two or three different tracks and i ultimately went with stone place because i thought it was a funny name (laughs) I mean, I think it was a great a great choice because it's not really like anything else we have here. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Um, also, why is it butter on wheat toast is the bland thing? I thought it was like butter on white toast. Oh, yeah. We'll go with white toast. Okay. I like my wheat. Yeah, wheat's healthier. Not going to have any wheat hate going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pat. Sorry. Um, I almost wish this was a video podcast. Maybe I'll work, the, work this into the graphic for the episode, but the... The Sword of Vermilion uh, cover art, like some of the artwork for the Japanese game, has this like this like really like armored knight with like this big like feather thing coming out of the, the armor and all that. And it's like really like oh wow, like I don't want to mess with that guy. And the American box art is like so many like 16-bit RPG box art where I'm just like, what were they thinking? I mean, it's just this this guy with a crown and like a horse behind him and i'm like it's so funny it's not really bad it's just like i don't know that that was that really enticing to people um it's so good though like if if i don't end up doing it in the graphic like i recommend like looking at the box art for this game because it's hilarious i think the only other game that i was researching for this show that has box art that's quote unquote better is shining in the darkness uh-huh. oh yeah. that's a good one it is it's so funny it, they were go- definitely going for like '80s, like animated movie cover, uh, like not not Disney, but like you know other animated movies that came out, like the like lower like the budget ones, the direct to video stuff. Like that's exactly what the Shining in the Darkness cover looks like, and it's just hilarious to me. Okay, that's off topic. Anyway, uh, sort of familiar. Um, I've heard of the game, never listened to the music, and 
of all the things I listened to this week preparing for this show, um, I was surprised how many songs that I really enjoyed on this one. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna, I know Pat, before the show, you mentioned Landstalker. I wasn't super feeling Landstalker. I really thought I would, which is really, really neither here nor there. But, uh, this one, this one really grabbed me and I was not familiar with it at all until, you know, yesterday. <laughs> I think overall it's one of the stronger soundtracks and I, and I agree that, yeah, Landstalker, despite being, in my opinion, a good game, uh, doesn't really have a memorable soundtrack. Yeah, like I was trying. Uh, this one, though, this one definitely does. Um, when I was listening, I, I couldn't, I was trying to narrow down what I wanted, and actually you indirectly helped me because you reviewed the soundtrack in 2009. Um, and yep. I was curious what song callouts you had, and one of this is one of the ones you pointed out as like something you really liked, and um, I'm with it. Like this and. Um, What's the other one? Last City, or I think it's is it called Last City? <laughs> like Last Town, or something like that. That's another good one too. But um, uh, the instrumentation, the songs is really cool. I like the uh, the the ponder. I, I decided to call it ponderous movement of the song in my notes. Um, I don't know how it's used in game or where it's used, but it's uh, I don't know. It makes me think of you know a game or even like a a movie, like maybe even an animated movie, like sneaking around like doing whatever you're doing in this town or wherever this place is so i don't know it's a fun sound um it has a and this is a legitimate musical term a good bounce to it yeah it almost hits the same check marks as like zozo from final fantasy 6 like it's got that same kind of tone to it okay yeah uh-huh. So when you said when you said bounce and then you said Zozo, like to me this is uh, like a mystery and mischief theme, not necessarily in like the film noir sense, uh, but yeah, more in like the this is this is a song for uh, sneaking, but not necessarily again not film noir, not modern in that sense. Do you know what I mean? I do, and I was trying to find the right term and stuff yeah. for that. I'm like, I don't know, animated movie, but I, I I know there's something it reminds me of, but I can't place it. Well, I'm thinking of some some like stealth and like secret mission sections of um, the first two Suikoden games. Okay, and that's I mean Zozo probably fits better, um, but that was in my mind that's what this song was reminding me of, and I think again uh, not just effective use of the Genesis, but we're hearing some different. We're hearing some different synths than I think we've heard in most of the other songs we were, we've looked at. A uh, couple, couple of funky things. Not Toe Jam and Earl funky, but funky <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I really like the beat to it. I like, I like the sound to it. And I think, yeah, this is a song that's got style. And I like that. Honestly, I think the soundtrack is one of the strongest parts of Sword of Vermilion. It's an interesting game that a lot of people listening probably have access to without realizing it because it's one of those they pack in with a bunch of the the Sega collections <laughs> that they release. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, if you have like any of those like on on Steam or like a PS2 game, whenever they have those Genesis collections, this one is often thrown in. And people don't even think about it, don't realize it's an RPG even because um, it didn't quite hit that same level of success. It's it's interesting, but it can that can also make it kind of difficult to grok with, but um, I don't know. It's it's really good looking. It's really good sounding. Um, from that perspective alone, it's kind of worth giving a shot to. I have a good sense of the game. I was actually when I was looking at the the soundtrack. Someone has like the you know I talked about the box art, but it's the front and back box art, and like the back box art 
or the back description of the game kind of like runs through the entire thing. It's like, you're going to do this and you're going to go to all these places. And you're going to get like 13 different weapons and then you're going to fight the Dark Lord or whatever. It's like, okay, I get what this is about now, just from the box. <laughs> Spoilers on the back. Yes. Go figure, huh? Why read the book when you can read the dust jacket? Exactly. That's right. Yeah, no, I haven't played through the game, um, but I have listened to the soundtrack multiple times, and I do think... Um, I am glad that you included it um, in our episode. I had I had not thought to include it, so I was really glad that you did. Yeah, um, I'm glad you mentioned what you did, because I definitely have one of those Genesis collections I think on Switch. So I got to go look now. I probably have this game and didn't realize it. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Yeah, thanks. All right. Well, that felt like way too short for a show. But to be fair, it's it's been a long time since we had a show with just three people. Um, it's really throwing me off. I expected to be talking for another like hour. But this was fun. Um, I appreciate both of you like being so knowledgeable and excited about being on this episode. Um, I think, you know, we, we've talked about it like, you know, internally at the site, but like we have not had a ton of like Sega representation on the show. Um, I'm not sure if Genesis was the right one to start with uh, just because we have a limited pool, but I'm glad we did. It just, I'm looking at our old episodes and like fantasy star, like we haven't really had fantasy star music on until now. Like the last one was years and years ago. So I'm excited that we got, got some more stuff from this side. So thank you. Yeah. If you think by console, I do think it's, it's hard to pick one. Um, Saturn is problematic only because like the vast majority of Saturn RPGs got ported to PlayStation. So they're not really exclusive. Um, and then might have the same problem with like Dreamcast and PS2. Though There are a fair number of uh, Dreamcast RPGs that stayed exclusive to it. Mm-hmm. I guess some went to GameCube though, like Scars of Arcadia. Um, and then uh, I think if, if we were willing to really dive in, the the Sega Master System, the 8-bit system, uh, actually has some good RPGs and good RPG music, um, if nothing else, because there's a bunch of Falcon games on it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't play Fantasy Star. Well, I never had a Master System, but I played the Sega Ages one on Switch. And um, I mostly listened to like the new arrangement of the music, but I, I switched between that and the original a few times. Uh, man. That's some good music in that first one. Yeah, I think one has a better soundtrack than two or three. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, if we were feeling real crazy, we could do a Master System episode. There are it. There is enough out there. I'd do it. (laughs) It'd be fun. There's some really there's some um, some Japanese only RPGs as well. That would be fun to get into. All right, we'll have to look into that for the future then. So, all right, Um, let us let's talk about what's coming next here. Um, this is probably going to be a surprise because I didn't really tell anyone. I literally decided this yesterday because of some news about this impending uh, crowdfunding campaign from the Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts people. Um, so I decided uh, our next episode is actually going to be a Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts episode. <gasps> oh, um, my goodness. So I know I didn't even tell you guys. I didn't even tell anyone on the site yet because I just made this. I just decided this. Um, so if you want to be on it, uh, there is a there is a card. Please go join that. Um, so I want to get that out during this crowdfunding thing, because like, when are we ever going to combine these two otherwise? We can only do it because of the very unique nature of this crowdfunding campaign. So, you know, why not? We have wild, we definitely have Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts fans, so I think it'll be a really fun episode. And for those who haven't seen the, the Kickstarter campaign, I imagine, are you going to put that in the show notes? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also the the interview that was it Sam that did the interview. Sam did a great interview. Um, yeah, with the developers of each game. Yeah. yeah, so exciting to see, you know, the developers behind Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts just coming out of the woodwork and being like, "We're doing our own thing. Who wants it?" Like, I'm I'm super pumped. Just weeping, just I, weeping. I know. Like, this is going to come out once the campaign launches. So, like, as we're recording, they haven't launched yet. So I can't say like. I I really think they're going to make a lot of money. Like I think people really want these two games, so I'm excited to see how it goes for them. Same. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, that, later in September, that is going to be our next episode. Um, so after that, I think last time I did mention this, after that we are going to get back to our original schedule, and we're going to do a, an episode based on the works of uh, Masafumi Takata. So there's going to be some Danganronpa, Digimon, and whatever other whatever else people pick on there. Oh wow, we have a full lineup of songs already. Ooh. And pa- and Pat's on that one. Yeah, I am. I'm super excited about that episode. And I, I just got to say, anyone listening now, if you think it's going to be just Danganronpa, as good as those soundtracks are, um, we got some of that representation, of course. But uh, Takata's done a lot of stuff over the span of his career, and we brought in stuff from a lot of different games from a lot of different generations. So we hope you tune in. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun one. So, yeah, those are our next two. So uh, be on the lookout for those in the next two to four weeks. Um, So if you have any feedback on this episode or any episode or any thoughts in general, you can reach the show at music at RPGfan.com. Remember to check out the the track list in your show notes and on RPG Fan. And uh, let's see. If you want to reach me, email is the best way for me. You can get to me at mike at rpgfan.com. What's the best way for people to reach you, Pat? Uh, I use Twitter a lot. So at Gameadactyl, that's the word game, the letter O, and dactyl, like pterodactyl. Nice. And Wes? You can find me on Twitter at Wes Iliff. Easy enough. It's so straightforward. I like to keep it simple. Yeah. I appreciate that. If you enjoyed Rhythm Encounter, we also always encourage you to check out RPG fans, other podcasts, uh, every other Monday is Random Encounter. So that's where we talk about, you know, current news, reviews, other features on RPG fan. So I recommend that one. And then every Thursday, every week, we have uh, Retro Encounter. So let's see, this is going up, it's going up on the 12th, which means Retro Encounter will have just talked about finished Final Fantasy 13. So there's a lot of interesting things going on with Retro Encounter. I'm very excited for what they're doing for their uh, September game, too. Um, but I won't spoil it because that is happening after this. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, if you enjoyed the show, you know, we would appreciate reviews and subscriptions. However else you want to, like, say, you know, thumbs up to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and whatnot. So I thank you in advance if you enjoyed it and feel like doing that. And And then to close out today... Um, I was, again, I was looking at a whole lot of Genesis games trying to decide on what we should do for a bonus track here. And I I decided we're going to go with Fantasy Star 3. I have not played it. I understand Fantasy Star 3's reputation among the series, at least as far as the game is concerned. Um, but I listened to the Dark Force theme from Fantasy Star 3 and actually really like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, or Fantasy Star in general and boss battle themes just don't miss. No, no. I mean, so I guess regardless of whether you like Fantasy Star 3 or not, it's hard to deny the music, at least this one. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to go out on. Uh, 
So thank you both for being here. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, I had a good time today. I hope you all did too. Absolutely. Yeah. Had a great time. Thank you. Awesome. Of course. All right. So we're going to close out today with Dark Force from Fantasy Star 3. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Also, um, I was wrong about my hero. Oh? Yeah, different heroes. So I'm not going to tell the hero story because I would have been wrong. Oh, okay. So I'm glad I sorted that out before I lied on a podcast. Yeah, we don't allow lies around here. Yeah, this is bullshit. We don't need that. <laughs> I've been known to fib. That's fine. Maybe tell a story every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never lie. Yeah, that's Never. all right.